Hi, I'm Sarah Fry. Welcome to Patent Pod. Students who are deaf or hard of hearing have specialized needs not covered in the general education curriculum. The expanded core curriculum for students who are deaf or hard of hearing, otherwise known as the ECC or ECCDHH, is a resource for developing educational plans for these students. Joining Patent Pod to talk about the release of the ECCDHH in Pennsylvania is Barbara Chubb who is a certified teacher of the deaf. Barb, it is so great to have you here. This, is, this has been a long time coming. A very long time, yes. First off, could you tell me a little bit more about what the, the ECC is and how, how did we get here? How was it developed? Okay, um, the ECC Expanded Core Curriculum was originally created by blind and deafblind services in Texas. Um, the, from there, having been used, then we thought, why don't we have one of these expanded core curriculums for students with hearing loss um, and not just blind and visually impaired? So uh, somewhere along the line, Iowa picked up that ball 12, 15 years ago and put together a really wonderful list of skills that our students need um, to, in addition, in addition to the general curriculum. Um, and they last updated, I think, in 2013, which is when I discovered it. Um, and I'm a member of the ERCL committee, which is Educational Resources for Children with Hearing Loss, and it's, we're an advisory board to the Bureau of Special Ed. Um, and so I brought that up at the Urkel committee meetings and I said, why don't we have one of these? Because I'm there, I was there representing teachers of the deaf. And we talked about it a lot and so I started looking at it more and realizing that it was a wonderful start, but 10 to 12 years in, a, in, in the future now, um, it needed updates. It needed um, more information, it needed new terms, it needed um, updated assessments, et cetera. So um, I reached out to Iowa, got their blessing, got the blessing from Urkel, and um, started on the task of customizing the, the Iowa version of ECC to Pennsylvania. Um, that Iowa version is adopted in like 21 states. A um, couple countries, OVR used it, uses it. And so we thought we, we need an updated version. Um, but that is the blueprint that we started with and it was a wonderful blueprint. So three years now, we've been working on making changes to it, updating it, revisions um, for use in Pennsylvania. and. We kept some of the, the, let me back up, sorry. We, no, I'll give you a minute. The ECC itself is a set of rubrics. So um, I think everybody's familiar with rubrics, you know, charts basically, rows and columns. Um, and they had, I don't know, seven or eight areas that were supplemental to the general curriculum. 
And so we, we used those, we looked at those. We since, in our revisions, kept four of those and added four more. Um, we separated some communication into listening, spoken language, and, and American Sign Language. We added um, a new, really new twist on technology, since that now is, you know, so so essential in our students' lives, um, and not the use of apps necessarily or software, but streaming. You know, how do they how do they link hearing devices to through Bluetooth to um, somebody's microphone? How do they link their um, how do they stream with a with an FM device from YouTube, you know, or something like that? So those kinds of things that are ever evolving, um, <clears throat> we've added that. We um, the biggest revision we added was academic language development, and I guess conceptually the biggest change we made was we now look at it um, as the ECC is a description of functional skills that our students with a hearing loss need to access the general curriculum. So I'm really happy with the way that has evolved. That wasn't our original mantra, if you will. But um, as we played around with it more and more, of course we delved deeper and deeper into what, what is this, what is the purpose here? So we know that most of our students majority of, of students with a hearing loss have cochlear implants. They're in regular education. So I used to be an itinerant teacher and a classroom teacher years ago. Um, and when I was an itinerant teacher, I was a tutor. So I would go in and I would, you know, on a weekly basis, help a student with um, a worksheet, help students study their spelling lists. And finally, I mean, more recently, we've had the, the uh, requirement to redefine ourselves as itinerant teachers of the deaf and, or itinerant uh, teachers of the deaf in general. And we're not tutors. We have a skill set that nobody else has. And we needed um, to be more vocal about it and more explicit about it. Um, and so as the, um, I just finished um, a six-year stint as the president of Pennsylvania Educators for Students Who Are Deaf or Hard of Hearing, PESDA, we call it. It's a grassroots like teacher organization. And so we've spent the last six years trying to retool, redesign, um, relabel ourselves. And the ECC is the perfect tool for us to do that. So I'd like to get into that a little bit more. Um, uh, maybe even with the the roles at play with the ECC, could you um, you know some of our audience members may may be parents or mm -hmm. or caregivers, um, and so you know muddling through the special ed alphabet soup can be difficult. Yes. Could you give us a little overview of the relationship between the academic curriculum, the ECC DHH? and IEPs and 504s. How do those Perfect. all work together? I would love to because it is the best fit. I mean, I've been in this profession for many decades. You could count decades. And I'm so excited about this because in IDEA, where it starts, um, we are required in present levels to describe functional performance and academic performance. 
So as we've worked through this ECC and retooling ourselves or relabeling ourselves really as teachers of the deaf, we realized that we need to separate more the general curriculum and the expanded core curriculum. So there's this thing called incidental learning um, that the statistics will tell you that 80% of what we learn, we've learned incidentally. Um, not in a class, not through notes, not through a test, but through conversations, through watching TV, through hearing people at the dinner table, through going to a museum, through whatever. It's all incidental. It's like osmosis. Um, of course, children with a hearing loss who um, don't have that luxury. So they come to, to school um, with a very diminished font, let's say, of incidental learning knowledge, general knowledge. Um, and we know that general knowledge is the key to everything. <laughs> um, of course, with language and reading, et cetera, but um, your general knowledge helps you make connections. Your general knowledge helps you um, be more critical in your thinking. If I know this, then why is that true? If I know this, then that can't be true. Um, that kind of thing. And so without that font of incidental learning and general knowledge, our students who are deaf or hard of hearing are at a major deficit when they walk into the classroom for the first time, even at the kindergarten level. So what we've, dis what we've done is we know that our students need access to the general curriculum. We know that they're in a mainstream class um, and they have we talk about access to the general curriculum. And for a very long time, we've talked about access as you have an interpreter if you need one, you have a cochlear implant if you need one, um, you might have captions on videos. That's all physical access, in my opinion. Um, that's how we've decided to, to categorize it. But what about access to the language in the general curriculum? What about the ability to be able to um, stream your devices so if a YouTube video is playing in your class, you can, and you have a cochlear implant, how do you use Bluetooth to connect those two things so that you have better access? So we've looked at um, IDEA, and we've looked at requirement for general performance, academic performance and functional performance. And as an, as a, an itinerant teacher of the deaf, what we're trying to do is latch, make us the master of the functional performance. And we're not talking shopping, we're not talking grooming, um, as many, in many cases that would be functional performance. We're not talking about um, behavior per se, appropriate behavior. We're talking about th uh, eight topic areas, um, skill areas we call them, that are needed so to access the general curriculum, to improve the access beyond just the physical access, sitting there and watching what's going on or watching the interpreter. But if you don't know the language, you can't follow the captions. If you don't read on grade level, you can't read the captions. So that's physical access, but what if I don't know? What if I'm not on a reading, on the grade level reading? Which most of our students who are deaf or hard of hearing are not because of this incidental learning gap, lack of language. So we look at the connection then, IDEA, 
I'm going to write, as a teacher of the deaf, I'm going to write about functional performance in these eight areas. The ability to um, use your devices, um, audiology, if you will, hearing and listening. Um, your ability to self-advocate, um, make, and, and some people think of that as, um, oh, that's just for older students. But no, if I can't see the speaker and I'm a lip reader, I need to say, I can't see, um, or get out of my way, or, you know, something like that. Um, or even um, taking care of your own equipment uh, is self-advocacy, so, you know, self-responsibility. Um, also communication skills, whether it be spoken language, whether it be American Sign Language. Um, our students need to be on grade level. Um, and to be, you know, maximum users in both listening and spoken language, if that's their mode, or in American Sign Language, or even both. Um, so that's one of the areas. Another area is um, social-emotional learning. It takes a lot of language. Um, so even in a classroom setting, and you're working on a group project, and your teacher says, okay, that table, you work on this answer for this question, you be the, the leader, you be the note taker, you be the um, timekeeper, and you be the questioner, you know, so we have four people. Do our students know what those roles are? I mean, it's more of a social mechanism where, you know, you learn turn taking and what is, what is the responsibility of the leader, what is the responsibility. Do our students know any of that? That's incidental learning. You know, you learned that on the playground probably. You know, how to take turns, how to, you know, put four people together on a, on a team. Um, and so we don't want to take that for granted. So those kinds of social skills, when you're supposed to work on a group project, how do you communicate? What kind of, you know, how do you communicate about the content? Do I know the language from the content? Do I know, if you looked at a fifth grade curriculum map, for example, in geography, um, it's all about landforms and um, I'm not going to be able to remember things now from fifth grade, but landforms, let's say, re natural resources, uh, those two. Do our students know what a landform is? Do they know that if they read the jargon of valley, mountain, plateau, do they know those are landforms? Do they know what each of those is? And the, and the incidental learning, now you and I probably know that we don't have deserts in central Pennsylvania. But I'm not sure our all my students would know that because they don't have experience with a desert. They've not, maybe not even been to the beach. Um, so the concept of sand, the concept of sand mountains, if you will, sand dunes, and just knowing that it couldn't be a sand dune um, because we don't have desert in the, in the mid-east, mid um, mid-Atlantic. So, those kinds of things that often are taken for granted um, that our students don't have. That was part of their incidental learning. Well, as you've given so many great examples, and I'm wondering, um, in this, the course of this development, having maybe talked to general education teachers, because as you mentioned, so many of the students um, that this can be used for are in a general education mm -hmm. classroom, do you think that it's been eye-opening for those educators and maybe school leaders about these types of skills that 
maybe they were making assumptions about all of the students, including <coughs> students who are deaf? Um, we hope it will be eye-opening. It's been very slow. Um, and that's where I, I said that the ECC is the perfect tool for the itinerant teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing because now it's in writing and I can say, um, yes, you're teaching math. I'm teaching the language of math and I can look that up in my ECC and under academic language it talks about math concepts for your grade level, math um, terminology for problem solving. Um, math, um, mm, the language in a math rubric, the language of a math question when it says um, how many more, how many less, um, when uh, divide these among all the group, you know, that kind of thing. Our students don't have those nuances, a lot of them, especially, I mean, if they were amplified very early with a cochlear implant, their language is much further along than a child who was diagnosed in kindergarten, never had been aided, um, and the family is pretty hesitant to accept a form of communication other than speech. So um, we have to assume, we assess to us before, um, we assume that there, there are gaps in knowledge and language and incidental learning, so we assess um, those math concepts um, prior to prior to being taught in general ed hopefully um, that's the eye-opening part um, you know trying to is eye-opening for everybody you know wouldn't it be so much more beneficial to be ahead of a general ed teacher not in the content not in teaching the concepts because I'm not a math teacher but I can analyze your unit and say check, 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 those are concepts we better talk about before the student gets in the class because then they have more of a level playing field with their background knowledge. So, so you've given us a lot of detail about what the ECC contains and how it can really empower teachers mm -hmm. um, and even maybe audiologists to have impactful, constructive, collaborative conversations with general education teachers. But you did mention, I want to throw back earlier, you said it's kind of been slow. Tell us, how do, how do folks get a hold of this? How do you get started with this? It's such a powerful resource for everybody. What, what, what is your, where do we go from here? Okay, and you mentioned maybe an audiologist, and it's really for the whole IEP team. Because parents, students themselves, um, because the, the way it's set out is in rows and columns. So we have the content rubric, we have um, developmental levels, loose developmental levels. So we have a column of emerging skills, early skills, intermediate skills, advanced skills. It's not age-based, um, it's skill-based. So we have students who've been implanted with uh, cochlear, cochlear implants at birth um, and they're right where they need to be in terms of language. So you wouldn't wait for advanced skills till high school um, if they already had them in third grade. But if you're talking advanced skills with transition to secondary education, well, you might hold off on that. So um, it's really for the whole IEP team. Parents, um, we can, if I can take just a little tangent, I mean, sure. we actually, um, are touting it as if you take one of these rubrics um, and you get a ballpark 
um, as to where your student might fit at this particular time. You as a team um, could look at that list of skills, sub-skills in that, in that column and say, and with everybody chiming in, oh yeah, yeah, no, he does not do that. He does not know how to do that. So, you know, highlight those, circle those. Those become um, present levels, if you will. Those become um, targets for either specially designed instruction or um, goals and objectives or that kind of thing. Um, parents can give us, you know, great input with that kind of um, focus. You know, like, well, I don't see him doing any of this at home. Oh, but he does it in school all the time. What are we going to do about that? You know, you didn't know he could be that independent. So going back then, how do we find it? Um, it is currently um, at the publishers here at Patton, um, and it's being, you know, all fancied up and, and everything. Um, and so I expect it will actually be published um, about the first week in August. Um, it will be housed on the Patton website. Um, it will be, there will be a link on our, the, PESTA Facebook page, which is um, Pennsylvania educators of students who are deaf or hard of hearing. There will be a link every possible way, any, any, everywhere. Um, so this patent pod, um, what, uh, what other ways? Um, yeah, it's like a, marketing was one of our concerns, not, not a concern, but an area of focus as we started getting the content uh, together and we were on a roll, you know, the project management part of it, like, okay, we're working on content, how are we going to roll it out, how are we going to, how do people know? And I've been actually doing professional development in advance um, for the last two years. Uh, we got the approval from the Bureau of Special Ed that even though we didn't have our own copy, Iowa was um, adequate to meet our needs at this point in time. So I've been talking about it with teachers um, for the last two years easily um, and doing in-service and talking about it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So um, now it's, it's here. It's, it's here. here, yeah, hopefully. So um, yeah, it will be on the Patent website. Um, it's meant to be a digital document because it's very long. You don't want to download 157 pages um, because it will, it's dynamic. Um, so it's meant to be digital, but we know that people will want a some people will want a paper copy, and that's going to be up to them if they want to download it or reproduce it or whatever. But the digital copy will be the most relevant, the, the most accurate, uh, because as many times as the team has looked at this document and had nightmares about this document, um, I'm sure there's a spelling error somewhere. I'm sure there's, there are many, one of the major things that we added were, were um, hot links. So you can go through now, um, let's say in uh, advanced skills for self-advocacy and you'll find a lot of um, transition skills. So um, there are links to patent documents um, about transition. There are links to um, OVR maps. There are links to um, um, the transition plan the, and the anecdoted version, that kind of thing. So we have added hundreds and hundreds of links um, so that we can try to build some consistency. We know that there are students who are here in the capital area. They have a, a 
a peer group. Um, their teachers have a peer group. But we also know that there are teachers in Erie or outside of Erie that they are the only teacher in three counties and they only serve 15 students and their education might look very different than the education in, in Harrisburg um, just because of peer groups and you know that kind of thing um, being able to collaborate better so one of the side goals is to really develop some consistency across Pennsylvania that um, if your child is moving from Harrisburg to Erie you can be assured as a parent that they're using the same framework and if not they would know what you're talking about I mean you can push them to do that but um, looking at you know well we've been using this uh, this rubric for the past couple years I want to continue with that I want these him to learn these skills my child to learn these skills so let's work on some of these things so as a parent it gives you much more background as well um, so but that was one of the the bonuses I guess is to know that our teacher who's isolated and has never had a colleague um, can now one speak the same language as the other people other colleagues in the state Two, have the same reference and you know scope and sequence if you will um, as other teachers of the deaf so that there's more consistency across Pennsylvania where students are being educated so this document this this resource as and we we refer to it often as a document you've mentioned that it is digital it is in its first edition for Pennsylvania and even though it's it's been a long time coming we know that all great things are imperfect yes. so as uh, as we continue to promote it and and put it in the hands of educators and parents and strangers on the street there's something that I know that you probably want to point out within that that digital file. Um, not only are, are there so many hyperlinks to resources and examples, but given that it is the first edition, there's something else embedded or alongside it. Well, we know digital. Uh, we know hyperlinks fail inevitably, or you get the error message when you least want it. Um, and knowing that that um, we have a, a Google form that it will be online with the, um, it's the last appendix, I think, in, in the document. Um, so if a user finds, uh, they go to the link for OVR, Office of Vocational Rehab, and they find that they changed their website and that, that web address is no longer valid, um, they can shoot us a, um, a note, I guess, in the Google form and say, this link is broken. Um, and so we will be checking those, our patent consultants will be checking those on a regular basis um, to make sure that they're working. So if you have the printed copy, you just need to know that as we make it better, as we keep it up to date, um, you will have the copy that is coming out now. Um, so it's worth, if you need that paper copy, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a lot of change in the content. But I'm mostly concerned about the hyperlinks. So um, in resources, we have a lot of resources attached to this. Um, so again, as a user, but, but you didn't put in um, the, uh, the National Association for the Deaf 
um, position paper on your right to communication access in the community. Um, like, oh, no, we, we didn't. And so they'll send us that resource and we'll vet it. And if we think that it's appropriate, we'll insert that. So that will be ongoing. It's a dynamic document. So people just need to know that. Well, I, that's great to hear. Um, I appreciate that because not only, like you said, that this has been a long time coming, it's been a lot of hard work by a small group, but now sharing it with the field and with the community, it's crowdsourced at this yeah. point. We know that it is a valuable resource, but our shared expertise yeah. on what each of us may know about could actually improve it for everybody, right? right? That's what we're hoping. I mean, I think it's gonna be, I mean, my, my sense and, and the team's sense is that, wow, this is very impactful in our field. Um, so we're, we're very excited about it. Well, Barb, I want to congratulate you on several years of hard work to Thank get you. this to get this made. Um, and as we as we've discussed today, just changing literally changing the opportunity, the access, and the experience in learning that our students who are deaf or have hearing loss will, will have in their classrooms, and changing the the role of our teachers of the deaf and our audiologists to empower them. And you even hit on the fact that this could really empower our parents and our oh, caregivers definitely. to have really great conversations about their students' needs and successes yeah. and challenges. So without further ado, if you didn't hear it from Barb, the ECC for students who are deaf or hard of hearing is going to be available everywhere you could possibly look. Yes. But specifically, we will point out that it is linked in our show notes, um, which goes to the patent website. You can access the digital version, which is the full, totally up-to-date version with all of those great links. But if you would also like to request a printed version, you may do so through the patent website. Additional information about other resources through the patent system for students who are deaf or hard of hearing are also linked, not only in, the, in our show notes, but absolutely in the ECC. Barb, thank you for being thank here. You. I feel like there should be confetti falling. Yes. This is a, is a big yes. moment for, At least a drink. for this for this community. And I'd also uh, like to thank John Ragsdale who produced this episode. To our audience members, go check out that new ECC and come back to Patent Pod for another episode really soon.